Hello, and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and for the first time since April of 2020, we have a third Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) Admittedly, one who's currently living in the UK. That still counts. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Hi, Kit. How are you? Good. Uh, hi, Internet. I'm Kit. Pronouns are any, I guess. It's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and what what have you what have you brought here today for a reboot? Well, uh, I have uh, brought to you today the movie Star Trek IV The Voyage Home, quite possibly the best Star Trek film ever made, quite possibly a, a perfect film by every conceivable metric. And uh, I would like to pitch to you today the J.J. Abrams reboot universe version of Star Trek IV <laughs> The Voyage Home. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, the, 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 the kind that has everyone in worse outfits, but they're hot and young, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, fun fact. I, I have managed to collect Star Trek knowledge through osmosis through seemingly all of my friends getting into uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager over the past two years. But the only star- <laughs> the only full Star Trek I have seen is 2009. Really? That'll be fascinating. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Lindsay, do you, do you- Tanner will probably need a bit of an explanation of Star Trek Four. although I get the feeling that they have seen- they have listened to the I Will Fight You episode that I did I, on the subject. I- I did in preparation- <laughs> I did no preparation. Also, I have only seen Wrath of Khan. Um, ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have a starting and, point then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of the shows, I remember watching like reruns of Next Generation and Voyager on space. And I've watched a couple episodes of Next Generation on Netflix. So that's about it. <laughs> also, we did for an episode. We did reboot Voyager, basically. And so, based on the, how little either experience either of us have, I don't know how we managed that. <laughs> it, it was more the premise of Voyager, where the ship gets lost. You mean lost in space? You mean just the show Lost in Space? <laughs> <laughs> that and look, I needed a way to at least like talk to my dad about something Navy related. So I'm like, Dad, how does X and Y work? i think we just read the wikipedia page and we decided that we could do better yeah (laughs) i mean that that show was run by brandon braga there are very few people on earth who could not do better (laughs) so we're jj abrams is saving the whales Uh, well, no, J.J. Abrams got the ball rolling, but J.J. Abrams has had no involvement in the, uh, the most recent reboot-verse Star Trek movie, which was Star Trek Beyond. Uh, he will hopefully have no, uh, involvement with them going forward because, uh, J.J. Abrams basically treated the Star Trek, the, the two Star Trek reboot movies he did as his demo reel for Star Wars. And you can tell by looking at them, the style is very Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. And I say this as someone who did like Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, I did. Actually, I liked Star Trek Beyond more than I liked the other two. Like, yeah. a lot more. It, it's the first one of those that actually felt like Star Trek to me, which is why it is sort of what has convinced me that the the, the whole reboot verse has legs going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, which and, and, you know, chronologically speaking, it's about time to go and get those whales again. So... <laughs> <laughs> So I guess I should explain uh, what the what the premise of Star Trek for Sa- uh, Save the Whales was uh, in the first place. Okay, so Lindsay, you saw Wrath of Khan. Uh, you know how Spock died at the end of Wrath of Khan? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next Star Trek movie was Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, in which it turns out that when Spock did that mind meld thing on McCoy before he died, he he took out a piece of his soul and he stored it in McCoy. Why he decided to store it in McCoy is is a mystery to me because, you know, <laughs> Scotty was right there. But yeah, McCoy had a bit of Spock in his head. Oh no. And then they went at Spock's funeral, they launched him onto the Genesis planet, not realizing that this would immediately like reboot Spock from birth. <laughs> so like, it's the search for Spock. There's like a solid... Like, for most of the movie, you're seeing, like, baby Spock growing up into child Spock growing up into teenager Spock, who has a weird Ponfar thing going on with Savick. Don't worry about it. 
Uh, and then, and then by the end, he's back. He's he's back up to his usual age. By the time the uh, the Enterprise crew goes and gets him, and then puts his soul back in his body, and Spock's back, you guys. And that's the state of affairs at the start of Star Trek Four. Uh, also, in order to go and get Spock's body, they uh, mutinied, stole the Enterprise, blew the Enterprise up. <laughs> Managed to get their hands on a Klingon bird of prey instead, uh, because because what was the name of the actor who was the professor in Back to the Future? Uh, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd was a Klingon in Star Trek Three, and he had a bird of prey that he was using to try and kill Kirk. Uh, Christopher Lloyd got kicked into a volcano, and they took his ship. <laughs> so now now they've got this Klingon bird of prey that they took to Vulcan, so they could you know do the ritual to put Spock's brains back and back in Spock's body for the second time in his life. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> there was an entire there is an entire episode of the original series called Spock's Brain, where they stole Spock's brain, <laughs> <laughs> and not even his soul in this case. They literally just took his brain. They opened up his skull and they took his brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> He's fine though. <laughs> he he got to ride shotgun on his own fucking brain surgery. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> So yeah, that's the state of affairs at the end of Star Trek Three. The Three, the Enterprise got blown up. Uh, the uh, they're headed, they're on Vulcan. They all mutinied, so they're all in trouble. And Spock is alive again. Although, he, as we find out at the start of Star Trek Four, he had a character development reset, so he's he's back to being the awkward alien guy with no emotions. Okay. Damn, Spock x Kirk back to square one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, although I, w- I will reassure you that they are very married throughout the entirety of Star Trek Four. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Astonishingly married. So very married. Uh, so yeah, at the start of Star Trek Four, they've got their uh, they've got their Klingon bird of prey, which they've called the Bounty, uh, and then uh, they decide they're going to go back to Earth to face court martial for the fact that they stole and then blow blew up the Federation flagship. Uh, and Spock decides to go with him because they're his friends. That's the only explanation he gives. Uh, so they, all, they they head back to Earth. Uh, only there has been a big space probe traveling through space on its way to Earth that has been disabling every other ship it encounters since, uh, sending out some kind of weird shrieky signal. Uh, and it is it arrives at Earth before the bounty does. So of course uh, the 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 Earth's atmosphere starts vaporizing. The signal is causing all sorts of havoc on Earth basically the end of life on earth and as the bounty is approaching they get a distress call from earth saying hey there's this fucked up probe it's trying to communicate with something in the oceans we guess uh don't approach earth uh earth is getting fucked up real bad so the crew of the bounty uh decide they 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 analyze this signal they determine that is actually the probe is trying to communicate with humpback whales which have been extinct since the 21st century and so they travel back in time by slingshotting around the sun, which is a thing they learned to do in the original series and did not, like, revisit since. Uh, they travel back in time to the 1980s, because uh, this movie was made in 1984. Uh, they, they find some humpback whales. They put them on the ship. They travel back to the future. Uh, they've dropped the whales in the oceans. The whales communicate with the probe and tell it to fuck off. The probe fucks off and the day is saved. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plot of Star Trek Four: Save the Whales. Yay! <laughs> okay. Now, as you could probably tell from that explanation, uh, Star Trek Four is a perfect film. <laughs> I would not just try to do. I would just not just try to do the Voyage Home again, but with hotter actors. I I think we need some changes to the approach uh, that will still make for a very excellent film. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But we, we do have some unanswered questions here. I'm just basically going to treat this like a writer's room and we'll figure out okay. uh, all the various all the various questions to answer. Can, can, can I start with the one that most people would be asking? Yes. Chekhov's situation. Yes. Yeah, I do have that on my list because, yeah, Chekhov, Anton Yelchin played Chekhov uh, audience in the uh, in the first three reboot Star Trek movies. Uh, however, unfortunately, uh, basically during post-production of Star Trek Beyond, uh, he was killed in the dumbest possible way. Uh, he, he got hit by his own car, and he's dead now, and everyone was heartbroken. It's it's an absolutely bullshit way for someone to die in, like, their late 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And yeah, it would be ghoulish to recast Chekhov, I think. I don't think you want to recast Chekhov. I don't yeah. think the cast would go for it. No, and, and everyone has gone on record saying, no, we wouldn't be recasting Chekhov. So I have an idea that can also play into, if we are time traveling to the 80s, and we have the, that funky thing called the Cold War still happening there. <laughs> well, I also have a thought on whether it's going to be the 80s, but continue. Okay, because I was thinking, what if Chekhov just had a younger sister who ended up joining like in his honor? That could, that could work. Um, what could also work is that at the end of Star Trek, during Star Trek Beyond, they introduce a character named Jayla, who, who ends up going to Starfleet Academy at the end of the movie. Now, my plan is for this movie to take place only a couple of years after Star Trek Beyond. Uh, so Jayla would not be out of the Academy yet unless she like, really fast-tracked it, but I don't think even Wesley pulled that off. Uh, and he was he was Gene Roddenberry's special boy, uh, but it is not it is not unheard of for cadets to serve on starships during the later years of their uh, of their academy tenure. So uh, I'm willing to have Jayla sort of be the helmsman younger character cadet, uh, finishing up an internship uh, as 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 this as this movie starts. Yep, this is one of her final courses or something. Yeah, that also makes sense. But either way, I would also like, there's, the original series has so few women in the cast. Either way, I think Chekhov's replacement, like, narratively speaking, would probably have to be a girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think the only other option would be the, the cat girl from the cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that Morel? Mores? I don't know. All I know is the, the cartoon has a cartoon-exclusive cat yeah, girl. it's, it's Mores. Mores was a Cation, which is the cackerel species, and she was played by Majel Barrett, actually, because every woman on that show that wasn't a hero was played by Majel Barrett. <laughs> and, and, and also as many female characters as possible throughout the history of Star Trek, including the, the voice of the computer uh, in the TNG era. Huh. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I also, at the end of Star Trek, during Star Trek Beyond, uh, spoilers, kids, uh, during Star Trek Beyond, uh, the Enterprise got destroyed. Uh, and by the end of Star Trek Beyond, uh, the Enterprise A is in play. Basically, the, the a reconstructed Enterprise with some new bells and whistles, uh, which is also the, uh, the, the, the version of the Enterprise that got introduced at the end of Star Trek IV. Uh, but this, uh, basically, the Enterprise A is already in play by the start of this movie. So uh, my construction here as to why the Enterprise is on her way back to Earth is that they have finished the five-year mission that they were in the middle of during Star Trek Beyond, and they are about to report back to Earth. Uh, and I, I think it would be actually be kind of fun for the sake of like making things more inconvenient for the characters if most of the crew has already moved on to their next assignment. And so as a result, the Enterprise A is running on a skeleton crew, which sort of, it, it has the same level of like, there's not too many of us who can op- who are operating here uh, that, that Star Trek Four had with, you know, basically the bridge crew on on a Klingon bird of prey that they don't know how to run. Okay. Oh, so then the movie also gets to have a bring the band back together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Star Trek Four, by the way, takes place when all these characters are like in their 40s to 60s. <laughs> 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 like Chekhov is a commander by the time uh, by, 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 by the time Star Trek Four happens. But yeah, they're finishing up the five-year mission. They're reporting back to Earth. It's a skeleton crew. Most of the crew have already been reassigned. And then they get the, uh, the the signal from Earth that, oh no, there's a mysterious probe that's boiling off the oceans. Now, we can do sort of the same thing where we, we, we analyze the signal and figure out that, oh, this is what it would sound like underwater because the signal's being pointed at the oceans. Oh, what animal matches matches this, uh, this, this noise? Although I think the process can go a little bit faster because in the 80s, like the idea of a computer being able to analyze... Uh, a whole lot of different sound files and identify what animal is coming from was pretty far-fetched. <laughs> yeah. Whereas these days we're like, yeah, there's an app for that. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to stick the phone in here. <laughs> I do think we can still have Ahura have the moment where she's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring out what this is. I don't think we need to have Spock do the uh, do the actual analysis. I think we can just hand that off to Ahura because A, it gives Ahura more stuff to do. Uh, and B, like it's it's it, in the reboot universe, uh, it is harped on especially that her thing is exceptional oral sensitivity. So I, phrasing, I, I think we can lean a little harder on that. Yeah, oral, A U R A L. Okay. Oral. 
however you want to pronounce that. <laughs> also, ex- possibly the other thing too, but we haven't gotten into it. <laughs> By the way, Uhura has uh, been dating Spock and then broke up with him during Star Trek Beyond. And then it was kind of implied that they got back together at the end of Star Trek Beyond. But I would honestly like for them to stay broken up. Not even necessarily because yes. I dislike the ship. But just because I I think keeping those two apart allows us to explore other in, more interesting character dynamics. Because I'd like to continue the thing of Star Trek Beyond, where we have like the funky team ups, the the non standard team ups between characters as they go and do their away team shit. Okay. Yeah, and it's always interesting to see how two uh, people who used to be a couple have to interact with each other, especially in a workspace. Yeah, it it makes things really fucking awkward, which is good, <laughs> because Spock didn't get a characterization reset this time around, so something needs to make him awkward. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, when they figure out the signal and that they need to go back to the, 21st, to the 20th or 21st century or what have you to get some whales, now, Voyage Home, like I said, they glossed over the whole time travel mechanic. Because they, they, they'd done it before in, in, in the original series that actually traveled back in time several different ways. But this particular way of slingshotting around a gravitational body, I think, was from the episode where they, they get exposed to the space virus that makes them all drunk. Um, <laughs> which is a thing that happened. Uh, and then they were at the end, they were like, oh, we discovered time travel and then just never addressed it again. Star Trek is a fun universe because everyone knows how to time travel, but everyone simultaneously agree that's just a bad idea and you shouldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But how do we explain time travel here? From the 2009 movie, we have our red matter, dark ho- black holes that allowed people to travel back in time. But that stuff's notoriously volatile, and I don't think any characters would agree to just like open a black hole that close to Earth. So I'm wondering if you guys have any suggestions. Can we just gloss over time travel again? Be like, hey, we discovered time travel on the five year mission, or? Uh... <laughs> I'm thinking the execution can still be let's slingshot ourselves around the sun, but maybe it can be like, uh, Scotty's like, oh, there's uh, the this uh, the experimental theory that uh, apparently some enterprise att- or some ship attempted and it was never seen again, and we don't know whether we can pull that off or not. Let's do it. Yeah, Jayla in Star Trek Beyond uh, is sort of revealed to be sort of a, a trash engineer in that she can just slap things together from like garbage and make functional devices out of them. I kind of like the idea of her coming up with the the how to the slingshotting around the gravitational body thing. Like she was like, "Hey guys, I came up with the wildest fucking idea while we were in college." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we can get just a sweet scene between her and. And Scotty just trying to, I guess, techno babble their way through this. Yes, I think that would be good. <laughs> yeah, aren't, aren't they kind of maybe not an item, but like implied to be an item? I don't know. I I kind of see them as sort of a little sister, big brother situation. Yeah, I like that much better. Yeah, especially since she's like so much younger than he is uh, in this. Because Scotty was the oldest member of the crew, dis- discounting Spock, I guess. No, actually, Scotty's older than Spock. Scotty was the oldest member of the crew in TOS, and he was the oldest member of the crew in the in the original uh, uh, movies. So yeah. he is like, even if he's not Simon Pegg's age, he's probably in his like 40s or maybe even early 50s by the time this movie rolls around. And Jayla's in the Academy. So she's mm-hmm. like early 20s at the oldest. So I, I prefer them as like a, almost a paternal thing or almost a a found familial thing rather than them being a couple. Yeah. But uh yeah, I I I think I think we have it be Jayla's idea and everyone's like, "Well, we don't have anything to lose at this point." <laughs> so yes. they do it. And and you know, we we have our suspense moment where they go around the back of the sun and there's like a a couple of seconds where it hangs and you're sitting there in the audience going, "Are you really trying to tell me that they died and this is just a really short movie?" And then, <laughs> and then they succeed and they they end up back in time. And now here's my question. The 80s were present day when The Voyage Home came out. Does that mean our movie takes place in the 2020s? Oh. Hmm. Do we really want it in the 2020s? Because that also raises the question, is it pre-COVID, post-COVID, or during COVID is my question. Oh, no. Oh, oh I, hate, I hate that every single media had to decide whether they were going to acknowledge COVID exists or not. And some of them did try to take a third option. <laughs> The entire Grey's Anatomy expanded universe is like, 
COVID only lasted one year, and the doctors fixed it in this continuity, but it's still real for you guys, so be safe, for Christ's sake. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, another opportunity, another possibility is the, the no-COVID AU. <laughs> yeah, fire up AO3. Yeah, fire up AO3, have the no-COVID AU that some TV series are taking place in right now. I I was also thinking, what if it was, like, the 2000s? Like the the mid noughties Yeah, like what if instead of the funky Cold War, it was the funky War on Terror? <laughs> I mean, yes, that does open up some possibilities storytelling-wise. And that does mean that we don't have to deal with the fact that we live on a hell earth at the moment. Yeah. Because yeah. the, the whole point of it is to... The whole point of it is to, is to have it be charming, not hellish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, just, just think of the conversation someone would have with, like, Spock or whoever... Where it's like, oh yeah, we also set the ocean on fire that one time off the coast of Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. It was in the news for about an hour. <sighs> yeah. The only the only thing I don't want to have to deal with is mid two thousands homophobia. Yeah. I we mid two thousands homophobia. Yes, but also th- you could uh, um, suspend your disbelief and like, oh, they landed in they landed in San Francisco, so th- th- it's fine. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like if we aim this at like the late noughties, early uh, early twenty tens, like they have iPhones, but they're not very good yet. Like yeah, post and- i post iPhone pre Uber. What if they do go to two thousand nine? Oh, two thousand and nine specifically as a year would be very good. <laughs> yes, because like we could still have like the Apple uh, computers that are like multicolored and see through and all that, and just yeah, they're on their way out, but they're not gone. Yeah. Okay, 2009, I like it. Okay, so, also, in the voyage home, like I said, Spock just came back to the dead. Uh, came back from the dead. He was, he was, he had a characterization reset, and therefore he was the fun, like, fish-out-of-water character on 80s Earth. I'm not sure Zachary Quinto Spock still fits that role, but you know who does? It's Jayla. Yes. Yeah. My, uh, yeah, and it is, it is canonical to Star Trek that surgical and makeup techniques are advanced enough to make... An alien species look like a different alien species. So, for example, there was an episode in TOS where they were able to do some surgical intervention, uh, temporary surgical intervention on uh, Kirk to make him look like a Romulan. So I think Sophia Boutella should get to spend a decent amount of this movie not in alien makeup. (laughs) I, I, I think they do a thing to Jayla and we get to see Sophia Boutella's actual face for a decent portion of this movie. A lot of movies like to put a lot of makeup on Sophia Butella. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know why, because she's gorgeous. Yes. Now, also in the voyage home, uh, the ship was a piece of crap because it was a it was a stolen Klingon bird of prey <laughs> that was a pirate vessel even before even before they got their hands on it. So it was, it's a piece of shit. So when they travel back in time, the ship gets damaged. They they drain the dilithium crystals, which are the crystals that power the warp drive, and they need to find a way to start recrystallizing the dilithium so they can actually go fast enough to get back to the to their uh, present day. And I kind of the Enterprise A is not a piece of shit, but an element from Star Trek V, uh, which is a movie directed and written by William Shatner. So uh, everything that that implies is is absolutely true. It's not a good movie. It's funny. But it's not deliberately so. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 it tries to be the funny Star Trek movie, fails at that, but also like succeeds in being funny for reasons it's not intending. Uh, they go and find God. Uh, but in that movie, this is their first uh, their first run on the Enterprise A after they get it at the end of Star Trek Four, and it turns out that. Uh, this ship uh, has some kinks to work out. Uh, it's 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 kind of it's fresh out of the package. Uh, it's it's like when you get a new phone and you have to start uninstalling all the apps that came pre-installed on it. And so as a result, the ship is kind of non-cooperative. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like the idea that traveling back in time still manages to fuck up the warp drive in some way that requires them to still go and get radiation particles to recrystallize dilithium. Yeah. And the fact that and the fact that it's a skeleton crew and the dilithium also powers things like uh, the synthesizers, which... This era of Star Trek does not have replicators yet. Uh, they have food synthesizers and they have certain material synthesizers, but they don't have full-on replicators, so they would still need to go and get materials for, like, a whale tank, uh, mm-hmm. like they do in the Voyage. Uh, so yeah, our crew will need three things. They need to split up into away teams to go get three things, which is A, whales, 
B, supplies for a tank to put whales in. Uh, and C, uh, nuclear particles to recrystallize the ship. So, <laughs> recrystallize the dilithium powering the ship. So, I guess my question is, how, how are we going to split up our crew here for these away teams? Uh, <coughs> let me double check how many people we have so I don't forget anyone. We got Kirk, Spock, Uhura, yes. Yes. Sulu, McCoy, mm -hmm. Scotty, yep. Yep. Jayla. Yep. Is that everyone? Is it just seven? Uh, let me double check IMDb for Star Trek Beyond. We can also have a couple of red shirts, but this should mostly be the bridge crew, because like I said, skeleton crew. Instead of the red shirts dying, they just get embroiled in 2009 shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they send the red shirts down, the red shirts immediately get arrested, and then they have to send the bridge crew down. Yeah. So we have, we have, we have Kirk, we have Spock, we have McCoy, we have Uhura, we have Scotty, we have Sulu. We don't have Chekhov, he's dead. Uh... We cannot have we can have him not be dead in the movie. He can just have been transferred to a different ship. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have Jayla. Yes. So uh, I, it would still be fun to have Kirk and Spock going off on one of the away teams and being incredibly married. Uh, I, I do kind of want to send Jayla with them, though, <laughs> just, <laughs> so just so they can be incredibly married and you have a third party looking at them. Like, what the hell? Then again, we also have the we also have the, the modern day character who we're going to talk about later on who can also serve that role as she did in Star Trek Four when she was like, oh, these bitches gay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Jayla would be like their adopted child. Yeah, I was about to say Kirk and Spock and their space daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kirk Spock and their space daughter, who is also Scotty's space daughter. <laughs> <laughs> they all share custody. <laughs> yeah. Hang on, I'm going to write some stuff down, like, on, a, on an envelope I got here so we can keep this all straight, because there's a lot of characters. <laughs> all right. So, Kirk and Spock potentially going to get whales. Possibly also with Jayla. Uh, in, in Star Trek, in, in The Voyage Home, it was Ahura and Chekhov who went to go and find radiation particles. We don't have a Chekhov, which is too bad, because that means we don't get the nuclear vessel scene. But we also don't get that for reasons I'll get into later. Okay. Yeah. Actually, considering that, uh, I kind of want to keep Scotty on, on the fish tank construction, because he would hate that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and maybe maybe Scotty and Jayla go off to, do, to build a fish tank. Uh, because <laughs> cobbling together stuff from random stuff is kind of Jayla's thing. Yeah, I can see it. I can see Simon Pegg hip deep in water going, just complaining the entire time. <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's also a scene in Star Trek Four where they have to get transparent aluminum because it's the only material strong enough to hold that much water. Uh, transparent aluminum is just sapphire, by the way, but this is apparently a different kind of transparent aluminum. Uh, and, and, and you have this scene where Scotty claims to be, like, a, a professor from Edinburgh who is looking into plexiglass manufacturing at this plexiglass factory that they go to. And then he proceeds to give the guy the form, the modern day guy, the formula to transparent aluminum because he needs it. Uh, and there's this whole scene where he's trying to talk to this, the, this fucking Apple II computer that the guy's got. And it is not working because, of course, it's an Apple fucking two. <laughs> But at, at one point, McCoy takes him aside and says, you realize if you give this guy the formula, you're changing the past. And, and Scotty's like, how do we know he didn't invent the thing? <laughs> <laughs> Which is very good. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's still have Scotty and Jayla on fish tank duty. Um, now, we ha what we have left is Sulu, McCoy, and Ahura. Okay. From what I've seen of gift sets I and listening to the episode, I know that McCoy... Uh, he can basically do the same thing, which is he ends up in a hospital and gives a lady the new kidney pill. Yeah, he does. He yeah. does in Voyage Home give a lady a pill and she grows a new kidney. That is the thing. He's just he spends the entire movie absolutely furious uh, <laughs> just by everything. And the great thing and the great thing about doing the reboot verse is that Carl or like everyone else who did a previous character, like you know, Zoe Saldana does her own take on Uhura. Uh, uh, Christopher Pine does his own take on Kirk, etc. Uh, Carl Urban just managed to call up the ghost of DeForest <laughs> Kelly and let it possess him. <laughs> Three movies in a row? He's yeah. just doing yeah. DeForest Kelly to a degree that is genuinely terrifying. <laughs> like, I remember I was hearing about Walter Keenan going to visit the set of the 2009 movie and he sees Carl Urban doing, doing DeForest Kelly and he's like, Jesus fucking Christ. I thought he was in the room with us. <laughs> 
Christ, now that I think about it, Carl Orban kind of looks like DeForest Kelly. He he does a little bit. It is uncanny the degree with, to which he can just like... It's sort of like when you watch that movie uh, Woman in Gold and you see Tatiana Maslany playing uh, a young Helen Mirren and she's doing something with her face that makes her look like Helen Mirren. And I can't put my finger on what it is, but it's not how she normally looks. Yeah. But it's astonishing. But yeah, I think McCoy we can actually send on the radiation mission. Because if anyone knows how to handle extremely, like, dangerous materials reasonably safely, it's probably a member of the medical staff. Yes. Originally, he was on the fish tank crew, but I think that's just just because originally they couldn't figure out what to do with him. And they wanted him to play off of Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, we have, what we have left are uh, Sulu and Uhura. Sulu originally went on the fish tank crew, and Uhura originally went on the radiation crew. But I think we can, I think we can change it up a little bit. Yeah. Like, I don't think... McCoy and Sulu really had a lot of interactions in the previous movies, so there's potential there. This is true. Yeah, I think uh, I the very few conversations they've had are fun, so I kind of want them bouncing off of each other on the radiation crew. That is correct. Mm-hmm. And then Uhura on the fish tank crew because she would be the voice of reason, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's if it's just Jayla and Scotty, you need at least one brain cell in that group. <laughs> so I feel like that's Uhura. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, Uhura and Jayla had a fun dynamic for the couple of scenes that they had together in Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. Because Uhura, like, there's a scene where everyone's talking over Jayla and, and, and Uhura's like, no, let her speak. And then there's a later scene where Scotty's trying to do something for Jayla and Uhura's like, no, let her do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 kind, I kind of like that, that girl supporting girls energy with them. Yes. Okay, so we got Kirk and Spock going to get some whales, because these bitches gay. Uh, we, got, we got Sulu and McCoy going to get the radiation. And we got J-Lo, Hora, and Scotty going to build a fish tank. I like this. <laughs> okay, now uh, there, is, there is a snag with regards to the radiation. In the original movie, they went to Naval Air Station Alameda, which had a bunch of uh, nuclear aircraft carriers parked there, including the Enterprise that was birthed there at the time, like the, the U.S. military Enterprise, which had a very was a very fun scene where Chekhov calls Kirk and is like, Sir, it's the Enterprise. Um, the only problem is that Alameda Air Station closed in 1997. Yes. <laughs> so we need another source for our nuclear particles. Now, there is still an aircraft carrier parked at uh, Naval Air Station Alameda, the USS Hornet, but it's from World War II. It's not a yeah, nuclear it, carrier. Yeah, it's not a nuclear uh, aircraft carrier, so they're probably either going to have to maybe raid a couple hospitals for, uh, in the cancer wards, or yeah, get some cesium. Or yeah, uh, there's also Valacitos Nuclear Center in Alameda, apparently. Yeah, uh, which is it's not actively generating nuclear power at the moment, but nuclear research is still carried out there. So I feel like they can farm some radiation off of there. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there's any other nuclear power plants nearby. I did look it up. Uh, I did Google nuclear power plants near San Francisco, and the, the, the pickings are slim. Yeah. Uh, possibly because nuclear power became very unpopular in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and, yeah. and San Francisco is, yeah. is full of people who think think they know things about the environment, but don't. Nuclear power, by the way, folks, is incredibly safe and incredibly environmentally yeah. friendly. It's just the whole Chernobyl <laughs> situation was a lot of just people passing the buck and people... Yeah. Going for the cheap option instead of the safe option. Yeah, Chernobyl was a failure of Soviet bureaucracy, not a failure of the premise of nuclear power. And yeah. Three Mile Island, nobody died. Yeah. <laughs> nobody died, nobody. Near as I can tell, Three Mile Island, nobody even really got sick. Uh, but yeah, put put the spicy rocks in the water and have it turn a fan and that generate your power that way. It rules. <laughs> yeah, so the rules. closest <laughs> nuclear power plant is the Diablo Canyon power plant, but that's south of San Jose. Oof! Yeah, that's a that's that's a hike. Yeah. And so I think we have to go with uh, Valacitos then. Yeah. Which is fine because because the, then we we still get you know McCoy showing up to a uh, to a scientific facility from the early twenty first century and getting absolutely furious. I'm sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think Valacitos actually does like uh, experiments specifically on uh, radiation's effect on like like a medical effect on people. Okay. Like injuries caused by radiation, which still lets him get absolutely furious uh, with like the safety measures and the treatment measures uh, for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, now, in, when, when Kirk and Spock go to get the whales in, in the voyage home, Kirk and Spock go to uh, a fake museum 
the the, the Cetacean Institute, which is actually just the uh, the Monterey Bay Aquarium. I, we can keep that, I think. I think we can have a fake whale museum that is actually just the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Yeah. Uh, there they meet a character named Dr. Jillian Taylor, who, as mentioned in our I Will Fight You episode, is an entirely whale-motivated person. Uh, <laughs> she only cares about whales. Now, originally, the, this, this role of the modern-day character was going to be Eddie Murphy, who would be playing a conspiracy theory radio host. <laughs> but this was, just after, uh, this was just after the Superman 3 or 4, which everyone had Richard Pryor in it. Yeah, uh, when uh, right after that one came out, and they were like, "Oh, we don't want this to be a guest star movie." So instead, they got Catherine Hicks, who was a TV actress who, looking at her IMDb, was in literally everything. Uh, so I guess our question here is, who's the incredibly famous actor or comedian who we initially slate for our movie before we ditch them and replace them with a TV actor that's been in everything? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the stunt cast is probably going to be Bill Burr. I kind of like that. <laughs> I kind of like that. And then Bill Burr gets in trouble. <laughs> I was going to suggest John Mulaney. John Mulaney would actually be a good stunt cast. Yeah. There. The only problem is that I would want him to be in this movie too much. <laughs> I'm not sure we could jettison him during the casting process. He He's just a voiceover. We'll, we'll have Lieutenant Eric's from the cartoon as a puppet. <laughs> The thing to re- the thing to remember here is that Eddie Murphy in the eighties was the most famous comedian in the world. Like he he was the hottest comedian in existence in in nineteen eighty four. See, I don't know if comedians get that famous these days. Yeah, they don't. They don't get that famous. Like Eddie Murphy anymore, level is the thing. Yeah, yeah, no. Like that's why I'm like the closest, probably Bill Burr. Hmm. Yeah, the ones who get really famous, they don't get famous as comedians. They transition to doing dramatic roles, and then they get famous. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or or they do crimes. Or they do crimes and get in trouble. Yeah. Like I feel like I feel like the stun casting in the, if this was really going forward the stun casting would be Louis CK and then they would backpedal when people point out hey don't put Louis CK in things. <laughs> yeah, I think it might. I think it might be Louis CK and then everyone's like we don't want Louis CK in your in Star Trek and they were like oh okay never mind. We're going to cast uh and then who's 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 an actor these days who's in literally everything? Just a TV actor who you're like, hey, it's them. I feel like it might be Mark Shepard. <laughs> I don't actually know that man. Uh, did you ever watch Supernatural? No. Oh, him! Yeah, the guy who's in everything. Yeah. So Mark Shepard is in everything. Uh, I including feel like, Star Trek. Including Star Trek. He has been in Star Trek before. Um... I feel like I want a female character for this again, because there's so few women in the TOS cast. I managed to stumble upon the IMDb list, Best Television Actresses Whose Faces You Know But Names You Might Not Part 2. <laughs> yes, perfect. <laughs> the immediate standout to me is Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara, is that who I think it is? From Schitt's Creek. Oh, no, I, I, I... You know, I would love it if it were Catherine O'Hara, but what about the what about the actress who played her daughter in Shit's Creek? Um, oh yeah, I don't know that yeah. actress's name. <laughs> Look at us, such bad Canadians. <laughs> we are. We're terrible. It's because she was never on Degrassi. That's why I don't know her. <laughs> yeah, Canadian celebrities need to wear name tags. This is just a thing we accept. <laughs> Our Annie Murphy. Let's look at Annie Murphy's backlist. See if she's been in everything. This is a pretty extensive backlist. Not Catherine Hicks extensive, but pretty expensive. Because it's not like we can get Tatiana Maslany to do everything, so. Yes, we can't get her to do everything, but also, like, she would be good, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe too good. <laughs> she might be too good for this movie. <laughs> what if she's uh... just one of the whalers? <laughs> Well, I have a question later on as to whether we actually have whalers, but yeah, she might be too good. I I do kind of like the idea of having it be Annie Murphy. I think we should have whalers just to, so we have some kind of last act drama. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 getting to that in my list of questions. These are these are laid out in chronological order, more or less. Yeah, I think I think either Mark Shepard or Annie Murphy. Probably Annie Murphy because the piece needs more women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Annie, we have Annie Murphy. We can still call her Jillian Taylor. We have her be a whale biologist. Uh, now, the whales themselves are two uh, adult humpbacks uh, kept in a big fishbowl uh, named George and Gracie, which was a dated reference even back in the 80s because George, George Burns and Gracie Allen were a pair of uh, TV com- comedy hosts, like variety show hosts in the 50s. 
So who's a famous couple from 30 years ago, i.e. the early 90s that we can name our whales after? <laughs> oh, Regis and Kelly. Oh, no. Oh, no, you're right. <laughs> the whales are named Regis and Kelly. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> That's so powerful. I don't even have an argument against it. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, so we have our whales. They're named Regis and Kelly for reasons that nobody can pin down. <laughs> <laughs> now, they're in, in the voyage home when they find the whales and they're doing the whole, and, and, you know, Jillian Taylor's doing her whole spiel on, you know, how whales are the best creatures who ever existed. Because uh, she's an entirely whale-motivated person, and I think we should keep that. Mm -hmm. There's a scene where Spock disappears uh, and then goes to jump into the fishbowl with the whales so he can mind meld with them and ask them if they're okay with being taken to the future. <laughs> My question is, does, can we get Zachary Quinto to do this? Or do we need some other way of communicating with these whales? <laughs> On the one hand, I think it would be nice to see Zachary Quinto swan dive into a whale tank but on the other hand maybe get Uhura to do it yeah <laughs> this is true she can Uhura's speak off, Uhura's off Uhura's off building a fish tank though yeah which which kind of leaves Spock I, but, although I do think we can have an entire scene where like Kirk and Spock are talking about well maybe we should communicate with the whales and make sure they're okay with being taken to the future we should get Uhura oh we don't really have time to go and get Uhura she's off building a fish tank and then we just Gilligan to cut to Zachary Quinto Spock jumping into a fish tank with the whales <laughs> <laughs> at which point Annie Murphy comes up to yell at them <laughs> and then we can also get a shirtless scene with Zachary Quinto so there this is entirely possible although in uh, in 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 the Voyage Home letter, Nimoy just like, it's the worst possible fan service because he did not take off his shirt, but he did take off his pants. Oh. <laughs> Honey, no. Also, it's worth noting, letter Nimoy Spock throughout the entirety of Voyage Home uh, is not in uniform. He is in this t white terry cloth bathrobe, which like he tore a bit off the hem and tied it around his head. Uh, to cover his pointy ears, because that is the default way of hiding the fact that Spock is an alien, is they just cover up his little pointy ears, going back <laughs> to the 60s. Uh, so, so Zachary Quinto's probably, everyone has to get like 2009 outfits, which are going to be atrocious. Men's fashion in 2009 was so fucking dire. <sighs> so he's going to end up with frosted tips. Who ends up with frosted tips? Me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen that picture. <laughs> Actually, you know what? But 2010 was my ginger era. Oof. Oof. Yeah, that was a choice. <laughs> Copper top. But yeah, it's uh, everyone's going to have to be wearing 2009 outfits. We're not going to have Spock in the terry cloth bathrobe, I don't think, which is too bad because I remember watching it with my friend Kyle, who lived in San Francisco for a while, and he he looked at Spock and he was like, actually, this guy would not be remarked upon at all in San Francisco. I I'm pretty sure that guy went to my dojo. <laughs> <laughs> A guy walking around in a bathrobe is not a big deal, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we can we can get Zachary Quinto's kid off. We should we need something for everybody in this movie. Was the whole hipster thing a thing back in two thousand nine? Was it just starting? It was, yes, yeah, yeah. That's when it was starting to take yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think I think we we live out every two thousand and nine Spock's fan artists uh, fantasy, and we have hipster Spock. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with a with like a, with like a beanie on to hide his ears. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. Have you ever seen me without this hat? <laughs> All right, so we have we have Zachary Quinto Spock still jump into a tank with the whales. Annie Murphy comes to yell at them. Uh, they leave, uh, and then in, in in Voyage Home we sort of have. Uh, uh, Jillian, on her way driving home, just sees Spock and Kirk walking their asses back from Alameda towards San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sausalito. The, the Cetacean Institute was specifically in Sausalito, I forgot. But uh, just walking their asses back from Sausalito and then picks them up and gives them a ride. And then they drop Spock off uh, where the ship is, is parked in the park. Oh, the Enterprise doesn't have a cloak. How are we hiding the ship? Do we just put it behind the moon? Oh, <laughs> Because <laughs> the bird of prey had a cloak and then they just landed it in the park. <laughs> it's 
in, in TOS, there have been a couple of things like um, uh, in, 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 in TOS, they had uh, whenever they travel back to like 20th century Earth, they were like, oh, we'll we'll hide from them by just putting the Enterprise behind the moon. And the magnetic fields hide our signal, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter that much. I think we can just put the Enterprise behind the moon again. Yeah. <laughs> but that does mean that everyone has access to transporters, which the transporters were only kind of working uh, in, in, in Voyage Home. Although we can still have the transporters only kind of working here because, again, the ship is fucked up from traveling back in time. But yeah, uh, walking their asses back from Sausalito, more character development on Jillian Taylor. She and Kirk go to go to dinner while Spock uh, gets dropped off in the park. Now, here's here's where I want a major change because in the original, uh, they dropped Spock off because Jillian was like, Kirk was like, "Hey, how about I take you to dinner and we can talk about how you can give me your whales." And then uh, and then she's like, "Okay, you guys like Italian?" And there's this whole married scene where Spock says no, Kirk says yes, and they go yes, no, yes, no, back and forth for a little bit. And Kirk <laughs> says, "I love Italian," and then he turns to Spock and says, "And so do you," <laughs> which is the most married shit. <laughs> so I want Spock along on this dinner scene, yes. So that instead of it being like a quasi romantic thing between Kirk and Jillian that's not working, it is instead Jillian watching these two at an Italian restaurant and going, "Oh God, these bitches gay." <laughs> <laughs> she is definitely feeling like I am a third wheel here. Yeah, she's aggressively third wheeling here. <laughs> she's like, and how long have you two been married? Because 2007, I believe uh, gay marriage was legal in California, but not countrywide. Am I correct on that? That sounds right. 2009? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that at the very least, these two could conceivably have a civil partnership in 2009 U.S. Uh but yeah, a, a, a wink, wink, nod, nod, how long have you two been married uh, would be good here. I would like to, for them to be canonically, like, dating. But I, I'm, aware of, I'm aware of our limitations here. But given my druthers, they fall in love in this movie. <laughs> I, oh, it, it could very much be the thing is like, we're not married, but, you know, maybe there's something going on since everyone keeps commenting on it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it could just be like, a, you, you know how in Star Trek Beyond, we meet Sulu's husband and daughter. Uh, so if we could have sort of a, a, a sort of slow reveal where it turns out that after like it's not clear from the top that they're a couple. But like over the course of the movie, it's clear that like after Star Trek Beyond, Kirk and Spock got together. That would be fun. <laughs> yes. All right. I don't know why I keep looking at my ele- at, like my envelope with the away teams on it. Uh, I'm just gonna put that down. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we 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 have that whole that whole thing play out, uh, and the, we need to have our, we have our dramatic scenes. I think uh, rather similarly with regards to uh, collecting the radiation and, and building the fish tank. The fish tank is mostly like a an engineering challenge. I think. I think we can sink a lot of time into uh, them having to jury rig something together with 20th century, like 21st century technology, plus the stuff they have on the ship. Yeah. Especially with Jayla's whole building things out of trash mindset. I think <laughs> that 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 can, that can be the drama in and of itself. I don't think they need any particular life-threatening peril. The thing is, is that in the original movie, when Chekhov and Uhura went to go collect uh, the radiation from the Enterprise, like the, the aircraft carrier, yeah. uh, the aircraft carrier is, of course, guarded. You're not allowed to just walk onto one and start collecting stuff from the reactor. Yeah, the yeah. So, yeah, MPs don't take kindly to that. Yeah, so what happens in the original movie is that uh, they get the radiation, Uhura gets beamed out, Chekhov does not get successfully beamed out, and he gets captured by the U.S. Navy. He is unfortunately deeply, incredibly Russian in the middle of the Red Scare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I do think we need a similar element of peril with regards to this nuclear testing facility. Uh, well, and I think we have to do, I think we have to make it a war on terror thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think they could be worried about, you know, people trying to make a dirty bomb. That was a big concern, uh, yeah. as I recall, at the end of the noughties, early, early, early 2010s is, oh, all of these people are either making dirty bombs or enriching their own uranium. And then mm-hmm. we actually got to see the facilities available to all these supposedly nefarious factions making their own nukes. And we were like, oh, wait, that's not going to fucking happen. <laughs> yeah, like, I have vivid memories of, like, news stories coming on about how, like, everybody was worried about uh, nuclear materials being smuggled out of Russia because the government barely had any control over their nuclear program at the time. Well, prior to Putin just, you know, being Putin. Um <laughs> 
and how they were being smuggled through Afghanistan. But yeah, yeah, totally, dude. Like, yeah. oh crap, dirty bombs. Considering that McCoy has a powerful, if unspecific, southern accent, I feel like this can be played up as sort of a a uh, a a you know as 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 a uh, redneck militia type situation. Really, yes, this this. This this lunatic and his Japanese friend are, uh, are are trying to are trying to. I think Sulu is the one who gets successfully beamed out, and McCoy is the one who gets left behind there because that gives McCoy more opportunity to be absolutely furious with people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, in, of course, in the movie, Chekhov does manage to escape. Uh, his phaser doesn't work because the radiation uh, kills it. So he instead ends up in the middle of a chase scene with quite possibly the funniest chase music I've ever heard in a Star Trek movie, to the point where if you layer it over any other dramatic chase scene, it immediately becomes brilliant. <laughs> but I think we have a chase scene with McCoy, where he ends up injured and getting sent to the hospital. I don't think we give him a conk on the head like Chekhov got, because we want him awake and talking and yelling at doctors about his own treatment in the hospital. <laughs> yes. I, 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 I think something needs to be like debility needs to be debilitatingly injured, but nothing that impairs his ability to yell at people. <laughs> so, so like a yes. superficial gunshot wound. Like a superficial gunshot wound or something. Yeah. Or even a serious gunshot wound that still lets him talk. <laughs> like they can get him stabilized, but they gotta treat him. And he's like, I am not letting you put me under and cut me open. <laughs> So of course everyone has to go and, and rescue McCoy from the hospital. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think if they bring his med kit, we can still have a scene where he starts applying some 23rd century medicine to people uh, in the hospital as they're escaping. Yeah. And he's got to make some comparison between our surgeons and old school barber surgeons, of course. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Look me up and saw my leg off? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, what, you got any ether around here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so so we we still have that. That's fun, uh, and and then from there, once they once they've got uh, once 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 we sort of have McCoy rescued, uh, we then have our sort of our turnaround, where it's like, okay, all the problems are solved. Let's go get those whales. The whales are gone. The <laughs> in the in Voyage Home, the whales got shipped out and dropped off in Alaska in the middle of the night early, so that Jillian couldn't. Uh, could, so that Jillian, they figured it'd be a clean break for Jillian. It's a big asshole move where she's not even allowed to say goodbye to them before they're gone. I think we can still have the whales get shipped out and we can still have uh, Annie Murphy scream at someone, which is always good. And then here, here's my question. In, in, in the voyage home, the peril element there is that like they drop these whales off in Alaska and then immediately get attacked. They immediately get attacked by whalers. The thing is that Whalers aren't as hot a topic in the 21st century as they were in the 80s. Like, yeah. climate change and pollution are the hot topic when it comes to endangered sea life. Yeah. So do we have to replace the whalers with, like, a plastic garbage patch? <laughs> <laughs> or, like, a oil tanker or something. Yeah, do we, do we just have a leaking oil tanker closing in on them or something? A new Exxon Valdez. There we go. If we want to put a human face on it, it could be just people working for a company doing illegal dumping. Yeah, yeah. I do think, uh, I, I, I do think, like, if we're not going to have, first off, uh, when they go and get the whales, they actually have to drop down into atmosphere because the bird of prey is cloaked. Uh, they they're able to get quite close to the whales and beam them up, and there's a fun scene where like the whalers throw a harpoon and it goes tunk off of something invisible, and then the bird of prey appears. <laughs> uh, since the Enterprise A does not cloak. But since its dilithium crystals are recrystallizing by this point, thanks to the uh, to the radiation that Sulu brought back, uh, I I think they can transport them from a longer distance. Especially since Scotty in the reboot series has like been boasting about like how far he can beam people to and from locations, which I think means that we need to have our tension be a longer. We need to lean harder and longer on figuring out where these whales actually are. Yes, because in the original movie, it's they're tagged with GPS tags. Oh, let's just follow the tags. We got the frequency from Jillian. Let's find them. I think I think I think it needs to be a longer investigation to find these whales to have that tension moment and have it lean harder on where are they rather than they are literally about to be killed by whalers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we can still have a peril element like when they do find them they're like in an oil slick or they're in a garbage patch or something like that. But then they 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 can beam them into their uh, beam them onto their into their fish tank on the ship. And and Jillian Jillian can come along like she did in Voyage Home cuz that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> She gets to come to the future because she's an entirely whale motivated person. Yes. Okay, so we head back we head back to the future. We head back to the twenty third century. We have another long tension moment where the audience is like, Are we really gonna pretend like they didn't make it? <laughs> and then 
Now, in the voyage home, not only do they get back to the future in the nick of time, they get back to the future directly in front of the probe that disables and crashes ships. So the bird of prey immediately crashes into the San Francisco Bay. Great job! The Enterprise A is brand new. I don't think we want to jump to the Enterprise B, like, right away. I don't think we want to kill the Enterprise A. Yeah, not yet. The original Enterprise did crash on Earth a couple of times and still make it out okay in the reboot series. So I feel like we can still have the Enterprise A fall into the San Francisco Bay and have our whole tension moment of, oh god, we gotta open the hatch and get the whales out of here before they drown. Yeah. Kirk Kirk can still have his prolonged underwater swimming moment because, you know... Chris Pine's got to be able to do something uh, physically strenuous to show off, right? <laughs> yes. Look, we all know what he looks like thanks to Wonder Woman. So yeah, we 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 all got we every Star Trek movie has to have the prolonged mo- moment where Kirk is either about to die, like they they tease that he's definitely going to die this time, or he does literally die. Yeah, <laughs> like it's at, at, at Star Trek Into Darkness, he did just literally get killed. Uh, and then they brought him back to life with Khan's blood. And it was so, so fucking stupid. It was so stupid that Star Trek Beyond just didn't talk about it. You can watch 2009 and then Star Trek Beyond and not watch Into Darkness. And it works fine. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond just likes to pretend that Into Darkness didn't happen. <laughs> so many bad choices were made in that movie. <laughs> oh my fucking god. Yeah, if we can find a way during this movie to retcon uh, Benedict Cumberbatch being Khan, I'm, I'd be into it. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so we have a prolonged moment where Kirk risks his life and almost dies for the whales. And then the whales, which in this case would probably be in, in Voyage Home, they were miniatures. In this case, they'd probably have to be CGI because that's that's the way movies are now. Yeah. Uh, they, they talks to the probe. The probe leaves. Earth is saved. Uh, and then like in the original, we had our long ass like denouement. Because we had to establish, we, we had to reestablish the status quo. Because, like I said, the Enterprise crew had mutinied. They were all being court. They were on their way back to Earth to be court-martialed. Uh, in this, I think instead of that, we can have sort of our. Um, I think we can have a subplot with Jayla, where like during her internship, she's not quite sure whether she wants to stay in Starfleet because it's not quite what she thought it would be. And then uh, at 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 the end, during the denouement of this movie, we can have. Uh, the crew getting ready to figure out if they're, they all want to head out on another five-year mission because this last one was like really rough on everybody. That was a big plot point of Star Trek Beyond. It's like nobody was prepared for what five years in deep space was going to be like. Yeah. So as as we're figuring out, like, are these people going to stay together? And we have our nice big dramatic moment where they're like, yeah, let's do this again. We we have our we have our we have it hang on Jayla for a minute. Uh, and, and hopefully throughout the movie she's had sufficient character development that she's like, actually, yeah, I'm gonna finish up at the Academy and I'm gonna join the crew of the fucking Enterprise and we can have our big tri- triumphant moment there, uh, as our replacement for I love you, Spock Dad, I love you, Spock Son, uh, between Sarah <laughs> <Yes>. and Spock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we have our whole Space the Final Frontier closing out scene. Voyage Home ends with them getting the Enterprise A, but uh, they 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 don't need the Enterprise A. They already have it, so it can just be them heading out again. Although, we should probably do a teaser. We should probably introduce the Excelsior, which is the ship that Sulu ends up captaining in the original continuity. Just have like them pass the Excelsior on their way out, and Sulu gives it a prolonged look like, yeah, next time, baby. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> the Excelsior fucking rules. I don't care how much Scotty hates it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Scotty is set in his ways. <laughs> Scotty's set in his way. He loves one woman, and it's the Enterprise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, also, in Star Trek V, in the original run, uh, there is sort of a... There, there's sort of a thing where Scott, like Uhura and Scotty got together off screen, and I actually really liked their relationship dynamic. So if we can get Scotty and Uhura together during this movie, I also think that would be fun. I think it should be a slow reveal on Kirk and Spock having gotten together, and then like during this movie, it's like Uhura and Scotty while they're building the fish tank find true love together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and taking on Jayla as their adopted child. And taking on Jayla as their adopted daughter. <laughs> Uh, and then we and then we have the 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 end credit sequence with the ship flying through space and everything like that at the like at the end of all these reboot movies. 
and and then yeah, that's our that's our version of of Star Trek Four: Save the Whales. Although we got to figure out it's Star Trek. Like the naming convention is different because it's Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness, Star Trek Beyond. I think we need another like one or two word thing to tack onto this Star Trek that's not Save the Whales. <laughs> <laughs> like it would be too easy to go with Star Trek Voyage. Um, it would. It also it's it, it causes confusion with Voyager. Yeah, Star Trek back no <laughs> Star Trek i do like the I, do, I like the i like the line of thinking there something to do with back or reverse or returning or something like that star trek before star trek beyond the star trek before i kind of like that yeah. <laughs> all right that's that's our movie star trek before <laughs> <laughs> awesome Yes. All right, that's and that that's my pitch. That's my pitch for the, doing the reboot of Star Trek: Save the Whales. <laughs> they got to go back and get those whales. I love it. <laughs> now, some of you may be thinking, okay, you two probably not because you're you're not the kind of retainer slurping nerds that uh, that frequent Memory Alpha. You're your own kind of nerd, but not the kind of nerds that hang out on Memory Alpha. The Memory Alpha nerds might be thinking, but the the timeline divergence only occurs uh, the day of Kirk's birth. It, it, in and I think it was like twenty two, twenty eight or twenty two thirty. It it, it the timeline divergence only happens in twenty two thirty three. Everything before that should happen the same. And to that I say incorrect because in the original timeline several missions took place that went back in time, including Star Trek Four: Save the Whales. And those missions to go back in time will play out differently in the alternate timeline, which means that the past is going to be different as well as the future. That's me covering my ass against the memory <laughs> alpha nerds. And my eyes glaze over when we get to talk about time travel too much as a self-defense mechanism. <laughs> you would like Janeway. She also gets a headache when she yeah. thinks about time travel. <laughs> and you know what? I too would delete the wife. <laughs> oh god, uh, my, my, my Discord server where I talked to all the people that I did all that Star Trek rewatching with, we actually have a delete the wife emojo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, after after I heard that episode of I'll Fight You, I changed my Tumblr title to Delete the Wife. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> um, but alright, I think now that we've got that movie all sorted, it's time for us to boldly go to a friendship promo. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the Eternity Archives, an actual play podcast where we take on the role of archivists working for an interdimensional library that catalogs and protects the fabric of reality. As archivists, we are tasked with journeying out into the realms, taking on characteristics of people from that reality, and remedying whatever issues may be causing a disturbance in the dimension. Every arc, we will be playing a different RPG, maybe even returning to systems we like later on, but this is a fun way for us as players and you as listeners to explore and learn about different tabletop systems. We'll discuss the rules, create sheets for our characters, and play a short campaign to get a feel for the game. Afterwards, we'll do a bit of discussion. We'll talk about what we liked and didn't like, and what we'd know to do better next time. My name is Babby, and I am playing Riddle de Drakel. They are a tiefling nerd baby. I'm Ziva, and I am playing Linda, the lovable human office lady. And I'm Dorka. I play Zen, the barbarian lizard princess. Let's get down to some actual playing. Are y'all ready? Yeah. Yeah, let's go, boys. This is the Eternity Archives. All right, Kit, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I'm glad we had someone who actually knows Star Trek to talk about Star Trek this time. <laughs> Bring me back anytime to talk about Star Trek or any of I, I when when Tanner asked me to come on this show, I sent them like a list of like half a dozen different pitches for this episode. <laughs> so if you want any of those to happen later on, feel free to bring me back on. <laughs> Um, and so for other people interested in finding your stuff, where can your stuff be found? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I, I recently came to the conclusion that being prolific on social media was not making me happy and did not further make any of my creative goals, so I stopped. Fair. Uh, so if, you, if you're interested in stuff I write, uh, check out inferiorwit.dreamwith.org. That's my blog. 
If you're interested in hearing my voice some more, uh, check out my other podcasts at crookedrussiancam.horse or .gay. We have both domains. We also have crookedrussiancam.com, but that's the boring one, and we don't like to talk about it. <laughs> and if 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 you're if you like me are one of the few remaining people using Tumblr, uh, my Tumblr is secularbakedgoods.tumblr.com. All right, and then Lindsay, how about yourself? I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. It's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. But in case it didn't link my Tumblr, that is uh, crash476. And do I also have one for my... Yes, I do have one for my AO3 stuff. <laughs> uh, we should really just get cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh the AO3 Tumblr account is Mitchy476. I'm very consistent. <laughs> Tanner, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart and Tumblr at SparkyYoungUpstart. Pretty much on my social media is some variation of SparkyUpstart or SparkyYoungUpstart. <laughs> you can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I be your first. In English, they're pronounced near if, and in whale, they're pronounced... <laughs> <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> Tanner, just you're boiling off Earth's oceans. <laughs> you can also email us at not if I reboot you first at gmail.com and you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and I don't know a way to top Tanner's whale noises, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can think of one, email us. <laughs> yes. Um, and the email is also where you can send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip or a proof for us to read, but either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or your YouTube or even your DeviantArt. Not if I reboot you first is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. Our cover art, as always, is by Alex, and her work can be found on Pichu.com, and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Click, whose contact info is available upon request. This podcast is, rec is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Saltal, and Assiniborn, and homeland of the Métis. Alright, so Lindsay, do you have a hint for next week? Yes, uh, next week we're going to go on a road trip across Europe to find a lost chapter of an Alexander Dumas book and maybe summon the devil. I'm into it. I love when we maybe summon the devil. <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> okay, so uh, thank you once again, Kit, for joining us. Thank you for having me. And uh, next week we're going to, I guess, go visit Daddy Dumas. <laughs> but not if we reboot you first. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Pam, decide whether you're coming or going, please. Go on. Get- no. <laughs> now she's just on the one leg. <laughs> okay, we're, we're just gonna- she's gonna live like this for a while, I guess. <laughs> Hello, audience. Pam is my cat. She weighs 15 pounds. Oh, fat cat. She used to weigh 20, but she's been on a diet. <laughs> <laughs>